I'm excited for this morning. This morning is our Kingdom Investors Sunday. And we're going to talk about money. Wow, not even one tear. That's awesome. Yes, we're going to talk about money because money is something that touches all of us every day. It's one of those topics that Jesus has actually spoke about a lot. And we're going to see again today how he speaks about it. And we have to speak about it because it's, it's just life. Just like we speak about salvation and meeting Jesus and speak about all the other beautiful things, money are one of those things in our lives that is just there. We can't get away from it. We all need it. We all would like a little bit more of it. But what did Jesus say about finances and the application of it? And I'm excited to hear Jesus speak to us this morning from his word. This morning, in preparation of, for this morning, in looking at our church finances, um, in reporting today on where we've come from and where we're going, I honestly want to say that my heart is filled with gratitude and I'm grateful for this church who's been faithful and fruitful in their giving. Um, you're going to see later on this morning, I'm going to take us through the word, but then we're going to take some time to look at the application of the finances, the money that you guys have entrusted to this leadership, how we've used it. And honestly, just speaking to, uh, with the FinCom this week and looking at all of it, there's a sense of gratitude in our hearts that you guys have been faithful in giving, and we're going to celebrate that together this morning. The message this morning is about generosity. And generosity are one of those words that we might have different opinions about. We see it in the Bible. Jesus is in the temple and he's observing the offering box. And in comes people with a whole lot of money and they put a whole lot of money into the offering box because they have a whole lot of money. And then Jesus says, yeah, it's interesting how we look at those people with a lot of money who give a lot of money and we think that equals generosity. And then Jesus does what he does so well. He turns the idea upside down. Because in walks a woman, a widow with only two coins, and she puts that in the box, and Jesus says, now that's generous. She's given everything she's got. And generosity, I want to define this morning, is taking what God gave you and making it work for him. If we can put this definition of generosity around our hearts and live according to that, we will be a generous people. It's understanding that God entrusted to us something, and then we take that and we make it work for him and his kingdom. We apply it in a way that Jesus will look at and say, these people of every nation, some always, these disciples of mine, they're giving everything they have for my purposes. And that's the encouragement for us this morning, is to look at what it means to be that generous that we apply whatever God has given us in a way that honors him and where Jesus gets the praise and Jesus gets the glory. Our goal this morning is to discover this idea of generosity. And our goal this morning is also an invitation. And that invitation is an invitation into joy, the joy of giving. Because every time we give, it does bring a joy. I want to say this this morning. Every time you give, there will be an immediate return. So please give, because you'll get something back. And no, I'm not professing an enrichment theology here, or a prosperity gospel, but every time you give, you will get joy. It's just the way it works. It's a principle of the word. So when we give, there's a joy that comes. And this morning, we're going to take a moment later on to celebrate joyfully what your giving has achieved for the kingdom of God in our last financial year. We're going to look at one of Jesus' longest sermons throughout the Gospels, there's these discourses where he teaches for long and lengthy moments. And this morning we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount, version 2. It's the way I call it. 
Last year, I don't know if you guys remember, we did On the Rock series, which is the official Sermon on the Mount. Right in the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom. He's pulling the people to himself, and he sits down on a mountain, and he says, now let me teach you the values and attributes and the functioning of the kingdom. And then we see, all the way in the end of the Gospel of Matthew, another long discourse. Sermon on the Mount, version 1, is 106 verses. Sermon on the Mount, version 2, right at the end, 93 verses long, Jesus speaks to his disciples before crucifixion. And what happened is his disciples comes, comes to him in Matthew 24 and like, Jesus, you're going away. Can you please just tell us what it's going to be like at the end before you come back? Because we want to be prepared for that. We want to wait well. We want to position ourselves in such a way that when you've come back, we can say, this was good. And we've waited for you and we know what to expect. And then he takes them through a whole lot of things and he teaches them on everything that's going to happen at the end. Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 25. I wish we could take the entire morning to teach the whole Sermon on the Mount version 2. Because he was sitting on the Mount of Olives with his disciples and teaching them. But we're going to look especially at the parable of the talents this morning in Matthew 25. And talking about money, I realize it's one of those tricky things because there's a lot of opinion. Uh, there might have been abuse in your walk with, with Jesus in a church where it's been said in a certain way or you, fe you felt manipulated. So I think the safest this morning is to look what Jesus said about money and apply that. And that's what I love about our value here in this church is that we're Christ-centered. He is leading us as a church. So we want to hear what he thinks and what he says. And my role is simply to point us to that and say, okay, guys, this is how we apply it in our walk. So up until this point before this parable, he speaks about the end days. He says there's going to be things happening. There's going to be signs. There's going to be a sudden and unexpected return. He says that my return will be like a thief who comes at night. And if you knew that the thief was going to come, you'll be up waiting for the thief with a baseball bat, right? You wouldn't allow him. Now, Jesus didn't endorse thievery here. He just said, it's like that. So all of a sudden, I'm going to be back. You're going to just have normal life. Everything's going to be just normal. You might be sleeping just because it's night where you're going to be at at that point of time. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be back. And then he teaches them through this discourse how they need to wait, how they need to be ready in their hearts. Matthew chapter 25 speaks about the parable of the ten virgins with the oil in their lamps. And now five of them had enough oil and they were ready for Jesus' return. They were waiting in anticipation. The bridegroom is going to come and we can enter in with him into the feast. And now five of them were not ready. And with that as a backdrop, he then teaches this next parable. So let's read together Matthew 25, starting in verse 13. He says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to him, to them, his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came 
and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Yeah, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who has the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Yeah, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Yeah, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from the one and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Lord Jesus, I pray that this morning you would open up your word to us. Holy Spirit, that you would witness to us these words of Jesus in a way that it brings life, in a way that it stirs us into action, and in a way where it moves us beyond our own comforts and our own ideas of this, this, this idea of giving, Father. Pray that you would preach through your word this morning and, and touch every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, amen. Shoo, who read that and you're like, whew, okay. This is, it's quite a lot. Jesus is speaking very upfront and very straight here about what it's gonna be like when he gets back. The very first important thing to note from this parable is that the master entrusted to them his property. Everything they had and everything we have today has never been ours to start out with. It's always and ever been his and he entrusted to us. It's by grace that he gives us what we have in this life. It's by grace alone. And he said, each one according to their ability. Some have the ability to have five and manage five well to get ten. Some have the ability, the guy who only got the one had the ability to work with one, but he didn't. And this kind of breaks through this barrier of comparison that we often find ourselves in. It's like, yeah, they've got ten and I just got one, but are you faithful with the one? Because it's his property and God determines by his grace and how he has put all of us in this earth and in his sovereignty, how he wants to use all of us. And he then entrusts to us his property. And some of us hold on to whatever we have as if it is ours. And we think we can just do with this whatever we want to. I'm the king of my own castle and no one tells me. It points to lordship. Because if Jesus is the Lord over your life, you will do what he says. And he uses the word master here. 
not Savior. Yes, Jesus came to save us from that which we cannot save ourselves, our sin and our brokenness, through the cross, and he's given us a new path, but he also says, I'm both Savior and I'm Lord over your life. I'm the master over your life. So if I entrust to you property, I want you to do it in a way that it honors me and it works in my kingdom. He commissioned these servants to improve his assets. This is my property I'm going to give to you, and I want you to work it and improve it and see a return and multiply what I entrust you. Now, it's important at this point to just maybe help you shift your idea of this parable. We might have heard this parable before being preached in light of talents as singing or music or the ability to do maths or do numbers and accounting or the ability to design bridges and whatever it is that you do well in your career and that you've got a natural talent for, and it might have been that we think that this is what it speaks about. I think the principle of this could be applied in our natural talents, but you've got to understand the context that Jesus taught this in back then wasn't referring to those talents of singing or speaking or relationships or whatever it is that you are good in. He was clearly speaking about money. The word that was used there Talenton means a weighted balance of money worth about 20 years of wages for a laborer. That's a whole lot of money. I don't know what it's in our context, but when he said the word talent, he was speaking about bags of money, <laughs> not a singing talent that you've got to use in church and serve and sing on stage. And it's talking about money because it touches all of us. It's in all of our lives. And he gave... This master gave these guys a whole lot of money. The one guy got 20 years and he only got one talent, but then the other guy who got five, got 10 years worth of wages. Is that right? No, 100 years worth of wages, five times 20, 100 years worth of wages. And the other guy got 200 years worth of wages in one moment. Here's your money. That's a whole lot of money. Can you imagine the temptation to just, ah, he's not gonna know. Just this little bit, I'm going to work it well. I'm just going to put this away and then I'll work it. And then I might have made this, but I'll just say I've made this. This happened in the New Testament. Post the cross. Two people sell a piece of property, husband and wife, and they take the proceeds to the apostles because the people lived like that. If someone else is hungry, I'll sell something so that someone else might have food. And they brought the money and they put it down at the apostles' feet and they said, here's the money. And God gives Peter the discernment that these people did not bring the full return of what they made. And they said, is that the full return? And he says, yes. And he says, you lied to me. And that guy killed over, was dead in that moment. Then his wife comes and he says, was this the full amount that you got for the field? And she's like, yes, Dead. It shakes our theology a little bit, right? This is post the cross. It's just grace, right? It's all just grace. Yes, there's grace, but grace gives us the ability to do the things that we cannot do ourselves. It gives us the ability to, if God has entrusted to us a bag of money, we are so full of grace that he would take care of us that we are willingly giving it to him when he requires that of us. It takes us back to the first Sermon on the Mount. First seek my kingdom and my righteousness and all the things that you need will be added to you. Do you believe that Christ can supply in all your needs? 
Uh, think about this. Do you believe it? Don't just say yes. Because if you believe it, why are we hesitant in seeking the kingdom and acting on the very things that he's put in our hearts, be it moving to another country, be it giving up our comforts so that the kingdom could be advanced, be it bringing the full amount for the field and putting it in the work of the kingdom. You see, this is challenging. I read it this week. I'm like, Lord Jesus, you've got to help me. You really have to help me because I want to do well in doing that which you entrusted to me. And we see two responses here. Two of these guys were faithful and fruitful. They were faithful with what God has entrusted to them and they were fruitful in the application of it. The guy with the one talent was fearful. He's just like, you know what? I'm afraid, first of all, of the master and his return. I'd rather not lose this. I'm just gonna put it away. But isn't that where so many of us live today? Because we don't believe that Jesus will actually supply in all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we don't believe that if we first seek the kingdom, these things will come. So what's wrong? Is it Jesus' ability to supply or is it our act in obedience that's out of line? Jesus is saying, I'm gonna return and the talents, the bags of money that I've given to you, which is my property and I entrust to you, I want you to work it and work it well. It's interesting to see here that the way they worked it wasn't investing it in the JSE, the Jerusalem Stock Exchange. <laughs> they didn't say, yes, there's 10 talents, just bank it, hit a few computer keys, let it rest. When the master comes, I'll just pull it out and like, the context here was they had to work it really hard. They had to acquire business. They had to do agriculture. They had to go fish. They had to do carpentry and maybe build a team and a staff of people to work with them so that they can acquire more for the purposes of the master. And it's exactly the same in the kingdom. God gives us something to do and he entrusts to us some money and he gives us the ability to work in the kingdom. But then we've got to work really hard at it to expand that and multiply it so that more is used for his purposes in the kingdom. That's the essence of this message. Don't just be happy with the one. Work it so that it becomes two. Find that place in that field of, of influence that God has called you to and make it work. Walk with your feet into your community and share the gospel. Work in your business that God entrusted to you in such a way that you can make a whole lot of money so that you can see the kingdom of God advance. Be faithful if he's given you the one talent with that in such a way that you multiply it with seed for the kingdom. That's the invitation to us. And in about a minute, I'll show you how we've applied that here at Every Nation, Somerset West. But we've got to ask ourselves that question. Are we fearful, fearful, or are we faithful and fruitful with the bags of money, very literal, so with our EFTs, with our income, where are we at? And maybe we just got to speak to our souls sometimes that if we first seek the kingdom of God without giving, he will add all the things we need, not what we want. Helena and I recently had the opportunity to give something that was very difficult to give away. And as it is, you do it, and then a while later, it's just it's one of those days, like, why did we do it? <laughs> and then we went messenger, messenger to one another, like, yes, uh, that, this is hard now. And like, yeah, it is hard now. If I knew how hard it was today, I wouldn't have gone back. But you know what? 
the master returns and he says two things. He says, enter into my joy. He says, you have done well. Come and taste a joy that nothing in this world can give. And the two of us recounted that and like, you know what? The joy of seeing the fruit of that for someone else far outweighs the pain that we're feeling today. It really does. And we just celebrated the joy again. There's a joy that comes when we give immediately. Every time we give, that is unmatched. It's Jesus saying, you know what? You think you've got joy, but let me show you what true joy is. When you give, you enter into joy in my kingdom that is unmatched by anything else. And then the second thing he says is, well done, good and faithful servant. Can you imagine that moment that Jesus comes back in his full glory and he looks you in the eye and he says, Francois, well done. The talent rightly said, the bags of money I entrusted to you, you've used right in my kingdom. You've applied it in a way that it's multiplied seed so that more people, the lost, the broken, the people that desperately need it could benefit from it. That's the invitation this morning. So yes, it sits heavy, this word. We're like, Jesus, you're gonna come back and you're actually gonna look at how we use our money? Yes, he is gonna do that. But there's an invitation. You can do it in such a way that I'm gonna come back and say, well done. I'm proud of you. It's like a dad standing next to the rugby field and a boy giving his very best and he he's, might have had a try or might have just set up a try, but that dad afterwards goes down on his knees and he takes his boy by the shoulders and he says, well done, I'm proud of you. That's the image that Jesus is saying. He's gonna come back and he's gonna look at us in the eyes and says, well done, you were faithful. Now step into my joy and I'm gonna make you rule over much more than you ever imagined. We are to be figuring out all the time ways to improve our master's assets in this earth. We have to constantly think about our budgeting, our application of how we use it to the tithing, but beyond that, God, am I using every opportunity here to take your assets? Let's go back to the beginning. It's his property to start out with.